week we started in on uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10 on our journey through Ephesians. Those verses read, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and not that of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, who unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. As usual, we started picking these verses apart, and we talked about uh, the idea of fulfilling desires of the flesh and the mind. We talked about as we make this change, it involves the great love of God, and how that's the beginning point. And about how this love is not because of who we are, but who God is. God loved us while we were yet sinners. Not because we became awesome, so he suddenly loved us. Starting with the love of God, salvation by grace through faith also involves the rich mercy of God. We talked about what mercy means. It involves being made alive together with Christ, which is where grace really enters into our situation. And we left off at the idea, of, right before we started the idea of how it involves being raised up together with Christ. So this whole thing started because God loved us no matter how wretched we were or, or are. And it moved into his grace and all the things he's doing. Which includes us being raised up together with Christ because that's not something we do. We don't do that. We're lucky enough to have that done to us. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7 because it hath, hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. We saw back in Ephesians 1.20 where Christ was raised from the dead, and then he was seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly places. We know that to be a fact. That wasn't out of a fairy tale. That was out of our Bible, so we know it happened. We now learn in verses 2, 6 through 7 that we too are raised up and made to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. This speaks of our present condition in the spiritual realm, heavenly places, after we've been redeemed, once we've been granted our salvation. Because of our union with Christ, we enjoy an exalted position together with him, which union serves as the basis for our wonderful spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We have these blessings because the Bible said so. But our present condition and the blessings it entails are only the beginning. There is more in the ages to come. There are exceeding riches of his grace and kindness yet to be shown in Christ Jesus. So how wonderful then is this salvation by grace? Not only does it pertain to this age or right now, but it looks forward to the age to come. As we continue, we find Paul making sure we understand the basis of this wonderful salvation and that it involves faith and not meritous works. As we move on to verses 8 and 9. Salvation is first and foremost by grace. There are groups out there who teach that it has 
nothing to do with any kind of obedience, but simply just blind faith. And there are groups out there who say that we teach, that we do all the work, but it's neither one of those situations. We don't do any kind of work that merits our salvation, because salvation is by faith. That doesn't rule out all the stuff that the other groups rule out either. We'll get to that. Salvation is first and foremost by grace. Up to this point, Paul said nothing about man's part in the process of salvation. It was God's mercy, God's love, and God's grace which made salvation possible. God's the one doing all the heavy lifting. It was God's working that made us alive, His working that raised us up, His working that made us sit together with Christ. Truly, salvation is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Some understand this phrase to refer to faith, but I understand Paul to be referring to salvation. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Bruce spoke on all scripture being put together earlier, and you've got to do that. You can't pick one verse and run with it, because by the time you do that three or four times, Judas is hung himself and going down to likewise pops onto your paper. We don't want to just start cherry-picking verses like that. We've got to take them all together in whole Bible context. So as we're piecing this puzzle together, we get not of works lest any man should boast, because we are not saved by the works of merit, whereby one earns their salvation. But as Paul told Titus, according to his mercy, he saved us, Titus 3.5. So nevertheless, salvation is by grace through faith. Faith together with the working of God is how we were raised with Christ in our baptism. Colossians 2.12 says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Or in other words, it was an obedient faith that received the salvation of Christ. Hebrews 5, 9, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto him that obeyed him, unto all that obeyed him. So when a person in faith is being baptized, they are not earning their salvation, rather they're receiving their salvation, which is by God's grace and God's working. For in baptism they are receiving Jesus Christ, and he accomplished by his death and resurrection. Basically, he said, I want you to go get in the water, because you're filthy, and while you're in there, he scrubbed you up, he did everything. Galatians 3.27 says, For many, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Well, that's not us doing emeritus work. That's us just doing what we're told while he does all the work. So in addition to everything we talked about in this broke-up lesson, we're going to come to a final note that salvation by grace through faith does not include emeritus works, whereby we earn our salvation, but it does include obedience. It involves being created for good works, like verse 10 said. In Christ we are his workmanship. As Paul intimated in his discussion of baptism in Colossians 2.12, the working of God, through God's work, in which he made us alive, in which he raised us up, in which he made us to sit together in heavenly places. And when you go through the commentary, the study on 12, it doesn't talk about how we did all these great things when we got in the water. It talks about all the things that God did while we were there. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what is the whole point in this workmanship thing? What is the goal 
of this workmanship created for the good works. Though not saved by good works, we are doing good works. God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's part of his uh, predetermined plan, not just to save, but to create people diligent in good works. I kind of see it at the end of the day, once you're a full-blown Christian, it's the chicken or the egg, which came first. And in the church, we know the chicken came first because God created the chicken and it laid the egg. But the scientific community goes back and forth on which one came first, and it doesn't matter. So what came first? You doing some kind of works so and you being saved? It doesn't matter because when you're a full-on Bible-believing Christian, you'll have both salvation and you'll be doing good stuff because you're trying to be like Christ so you're going to do good stuff Titus 2 11 to 14 says for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So the people of God should be ready for every good work. Just because we're trying to be Christ-like, well that, that's enough, but also Titus 3, 1 says put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates need to be ready for every good work. In other words, follow the rules if they don't violate the Bible. If you see something good you can do, do it, because that's what Christ would do. We need to be careful to maintain good works. Titus 3.8 says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These are good and profitable unto men. And we need to learn to maintain good works, Titus 3.14. Let also, and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not mindful. So why on earth did I come out of the gate with how works don't do anything for us and then it circle right back around to how we should be doing good works? Because good works don't save us, but good Christians do good works. We are... God's workmanship, he's making us better people so we can show the world a better way so they can see our light shine, so they can say, man, how do I get some of that Jesus stuff? So the good works don't save us, but if we're saved, we'll have good works. And some things aren't works at all, they're obedience. They're part of your faith because God said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. By the way, here's a few commands. To paraphrase it quite lightly. So it is by grace through faith that children of wrath can become children of God. Children of wrath have one place they're going to end up, and children of God have another. And it's up to us who gets to go. Wait a minute, God's all-powerful. What do you mean it's up to us? It's up to us because God said, okay, I'll give you a choice. Right now you're wallowing in your sin, you're going to burn in hell. But because I love you, even though you're filthy, let me help you out. So yes, it is our choice. We can choose to continue to live in sin right up to the end as children of wrath, or we can choose to accept the adoption and become children of God. Sons of disobedience can receive the adoption of sons by God. How? Well, read your Bible. Your Bible tells you. We can be accepted by God, because salvation by grace through faith involves God's great love, God's rich mercy, and God making us alive together with Christ, and God raising us up together with Christ to sit with Him in the heavenly places. 
an obedient faith that trusts in God's workmanship and not one's own works will get you there. You go through James chapter 2 and really study it, you can pick out three different types of faith. And they won't all get you there. Somebody will say, faith is enough. Well, I guarantee you, Satan and the other demons have got faith. They know full well who Jesus Christ is and what he's capable of. So faith alone good enough because they have that? No. And there's a whole nother lesson on those three different types of faith and where that gets you. But the bottom line is that you've got to start with faith and then follow it with enough diamond, with, with enough mental fortitude to know that you've got to have a dynamic faith that prompts an action of obedience. A new creature that is diligent in doing God's works to the glory of God is what will be produced out of this. We all know that we're a new creature. We could probably do a year and a half worth of studies on what exactly that entails, but it doesn't have to be in that in-depth either. If we're reading and praying daily, that'll be unveiled to us on its own. How can one receive this wonderful salvation? Well, we've studied it hundreds of times here. The Bible spells it right out. And we can let Jesus and his, and his apostles show us the way. It's when faith, it's, it's when we in faith submit to the Lord's command to be baptized through faith that we enjoy this blessing of God's love, mercy, and workmanship. Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Acts 2.38, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Colossians 2.12 and 13, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath quickened together him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So what is this? Why is this such a big deal? Well, in reality, it's, it is, but it's not. It's the beginning. This is simply the beginning. You believe enough in God to say, okay, God, I'll do it your way. You come up out of that water, now you're a new creation created for good works. Well, what now? Now you have a lifetime of following what the Bible says and living for Jesus. And knowing daily that we're not perfect and we're not going to get it 